Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Good morning, Crosswalk. How are we doing today? My name is Dan. I am the discipleship pastor here at Crosswalk, and it is my privilege to be able to share God's word with you here today in this new series that we have. It's called Shift. Last week, Pastor Jeff introduced it, and this shift series is one in which we make small changes that can make a big difference. And I know some of you right now would like a small change that would make a big difference with the air conditioning. Because the air conditioning, the fan is working today, but there is a little bit of a problem with a computer glitch or something like that. It's not a mechanical problem, it's a computer problem. It is going to be rectified soon so that by second service, the, when you get to hear this message again, uh, it will be very cool. But uh, the, there is someone on the way, and hopefully uh, halfway through the message when you're dozing off, that's when uh, that, that cool air will bring you back. The shift series, small changes, like turning on the air conditioning, that can make a big difference. And last week, Jeff's 15-second summary of the message was, Keep showing up. That we need to hear God's word and to put it into practice. And so in the shift series especially, and today in the message, I will promise you this. I'm going to share God's word with you, but I am going to give you a few small little tools. By the end of this message, my promise to you is I will give you a few tools that can transform your relationship with God. And the reason why I say that is because they have transformed my relationship with God. And, and the, the way that I talk to him and the way that I listen to him, and it's awesome. It's, it's, this is going to be a fun message, one, probably one that I've been most excited to preach on since I've been here. Today we're going to look at a shift in my private habits. Now as we begin... First question I have for you is, where were you Friday night at 11.35? Friday, Friday night fever, that's right, 11.35, Friday night fever is when you can go and see all the high school highlights from the Valley uh, on Channel 12, Friday night fever. And this week, one of the schools that they featured was Arizona Lutheran Academy. And I didn't realize this, but the game is at 7 o'clock. I knew that. But when your school is featured for Friday Night Fever, the, the, the news crews show up sometime around 4.30. And what they do is they get set up and, and they try to get the cheerleaders and people from the student body and, and stuff like that together. And they want to do, shoot some outtakes. And so at the time when I normally pick my daughters up from volleyball around 5 o'clock, I pulled in and... They weren't around. I, normally, they're waiting for me to pick them up. And then I saw on the football field, the, the, the news crew was out there, and it was the cheerleaders and every student that was still at the school. And it was funny to watch them because when the cameras were off, everyone was kind of standing around. And then when they told them, three, two, one, and we're on. Kids were on other kids' shoulders. They were screaming. They were hollering. It was 100 degrees out there. They're sweating. And they, and they, they, they took the, these uh, takes from them. And then once the cameras were off, oh, we're so hot. And, and they, walked, they walked back towards the gym. And, 
And it made me realize that when the camera is on, people act completely crazy. During the game, it happened as well. The kids kind of watch the football game and, and sometimes kind of don't. And so where the kids sit, there's a lot of talking going on until the camera comes by. And, and that's when the cameraman tells them, yeah, we're going to do a, a little take here for, for the news. And that's when they're all up and screaming and hollering. And, and the rest of us look over what's going on. And again, it's the camera. But it's not just high school kids and it's not just Arizona Lutheran Academy. If you've ever gone to a Diamondbacks game, you have that hope that just maybe you'll be on the Jumbotron. And when you're on the Jumbotron, hopefully it's not a time where you're falling asleep because the game's getting long and it's boring and the team's not scoring any runs. And it's just funny to watch as they, they, the camera goes on someone and they're just sitting there doing whatever and all of a sudden someone next to them pokes them and, and, and lets them know they're on, on the Jumbotron and then immediately they have to do some crazy things. And they even use that Jumbotron to control people's behavior. When the kiss cam comes on, and, and it goes on a couple, and, and sure enough, they can be fighting the whole game. They can be mad at each other, but that camera comes on, and we're kissing. And uh, every once in a while, I'll see couples that refuse, but uh, it's, it's kind of funny to watch. When we know that people are watching, we act differently. And you might be sitting here thinking, oh, no, we don't. That, that I don't care about those TV cameras and things like that. But how about if you're sitting home at night and the doorbell rings when you're not expecting someone and you immediately jump up from your couch and, and have to figure out, okay, what am I wearing? Can I even answer the door? And then my second thought is usually to look at the house and, and to see, oh my goodness, what if someone were to come in this house and see how we actually live? At least during growth group, we know they're coming and we can clean it up. And, and because we know they're going to be there, we have it nice and clean because we vacuum our house every day. And it always has that nice pine smell when people are going to be there. That's the way it works that we care for one reason or another what other people think. Well, in our lesson uh, from Matthew chapter 6, beginning with the fifth verse, Jesus addressed this phenomena that, that people care about what other people think, and it, and it affects the way that they act, and it affects it in a negative way. And I'm going to read that right now. Matthew 6, verses 5 to 8. Jesus speaking to the people said, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus used a word to describe it when people would 
worship in order to be seen by others. And the word he uses is hypocrite. And what you might not know is that that Greek word for hypocrite is really translated as someone who acts, someone, someone who puts on a show. And when we think of that, normally when we think of actors, uh, we don't think it's necessarily bad. You know who Russell Crowe is, right? I don't know if you know this or not. He's not actually a gladiator, okay? He didn't actually live in Rome back at the time when the gladiators fought. And, and when they had the movie, they had to do a number of takes, and, and a lot of them aren't even used, didn't even make it up to the screen, because he is an actor. And so we understand that, because when we go to see the show... We understand that there are going to be actors that have been given a part that are there to entertain us. And, and, that, and that's just kind of the way it works. But at Jesus' time, there were hypocrites who were putting on a show that they wanted everyone else to believe was real. And one of the ways that they would do that was in their prayer life. And with the Jewish prayer life, there were certain times that they would pray. And so imagine if this was a prayer time right now where I knew that in one minute it was going to be time to pray. And so what I did is I went over here. Okay, prayer time starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Oh, Lord, it's prayer. I didn't even see you people standing there. Oh, my goodness. Lord, I'm praying to you today. What a great relationship I have with you. You're a great God. I'm a great person what a great relationship we have together. And, and again, when I say it that way, sarcastically, you can say, oh, yeah, I would never do that. But these people did. They loved to pray. They loved to put on a show so that people would look at them and say, wow, you are really a pious person. You are really a good person. And Jesus' message to them was, God sees through that. Your reward of, of wanting other people to think you're great, you're going to get that reward. They, they will think you're great. But I have news for you. God will not. The next passage is very similar to that. Matthew 23, verses, three to five, or 23, verses 2, 3, and 5. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So they're the ones in charge. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Everything they do is done for people to see. So everything they do is done for people to see. They put on this show, right? But one of the ways that you can see it specifically in a person when they are being a hypocrite is when they do not practice what they preach. So my question for you this morning is, who is in the biggest danger zone for doing this? Who is most susceptible for doing this? It's me. And why? On Sunday morning, where am I standing? This is a stage. And who stands on stages? Actors do. And every Sunday morning, there is a script that is written that I follow. 
And who writes the script? I do. And if someone is not practicing what they preach, doesn't it first of all start that they have to be preaching? And since I'm the one preaching, if there's someone who's not practicing what he preaches, that is me. Jeff and I happened to read a book. Pastor Jeff and I read a book called Dangerous Calling. And Dangerous Calling is, is a book specifically written for pastors, about pastors, about their personal relationship with God. And it was sobering for us to read this book because I think you would be shocked by how many pastors feel empty inside because what happens is instead of having a relationship with God, we have a relationship with a congregation We have a relationship with the word of God, but that relationship is professional. It's what we do for a living. And so when we read through God's word, one of the things that we think, and this is this is the way we that happens. Is I think, man, that would be a great text to preach on. Rather than this is something that God really needs you to hear, Dan. And this is something you need to take to heart. And in this book, one of the things that it encouraged us to do one more time, especially for pastors, is to fall back in love with Jesus. To go back to the word, to go back in private time when you know no one else is going to hear what you have to say, no one else is going to be seeing what you do, and spend some private time with God. So who's, who's the second most uh, susceptible to this? I'm going to say probably crosswalk kids, teachers, and others who work on Sunday morning in volunteer positions. Because you do the same thing. All of a sudden, Sunday morning turns into a time when you need to get work done. And as you do that, other people see you. Other people are so thankful for all the work that you do, and you love to hear it, and it kind of drives you a little bit. But one of the things that we've been, been trying to say again and again is, If you are going to volunteer, we need to look at Sunday mornings differently. And and we need to work one, worship one. And that's hard to do. And and so you don't know this. And I guess our Saturday evening service is kind of like doing it in a closed room because it's kind of small. Like last night, Phil and Christy, they come to worship on Saturday nights because they can't worship on Sunday mornings because they're in an Ignite and Radiate and Crosswalk Kids. Very important, starting with our staff, starting with the people who work here, to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But how about you? If I haven't covered you yet, what do you do on a Sunday morning that is dangerous, that that can turn into a show? As I thought about it, I thought maybe when the offering is taken, that, that when the offering plate is around, that you're like, man, I feel like I should put something in in case people are watching We got you covered. We got the communication card. All you got to do is fill it in and you look good. That was kind of like trying to get you. Anyways. But but think about it. What is a time when I go and people see me? And what are things that I do to, 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 to look religious? For your growth group, here's a teaser for your growth group questions. And, and under this section, the question is going to be asked Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow doing the Tebow 
when you have a prayer stance named after you, okay, it's being done in public. So what do you think about that? What do you think about Facebook statuses that have Jesus in that? Is that something where I'm tempted to do that so others see me? Or is that a way that I am letting my light shine before men? I'm not going to answer that right now. You have to go to growth group to get that one. But think about it, asking that question. And the question is this, has my Sunday morning experience turned into a show? And if I'm honest, as the leader here, I would, I would admit, I, I, I think we all have to, that the answer is yes. The fact that other people see me affects me. So where do we go from here? Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's an understanding that even though we come here to church, which last week Jeff encouraged us to do every week, just keep coming, keep hearing the message, keep hearing the word, which is true, that there's another part, and that is what happens between Monday and Saturday, and that is your personal, that is your private relationship with God, and he desperately wants one with you and has made it possible through your Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we look at this, we see Jesus as our perfect Savior, living the perfect life for you, doing that. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. verse like that always confused me. So when Jesus went off by himself to a solitary place, did he talk to himself? He's true God, and he's praying. And if praying's when you talk to God, or, or was that his opportunity to talk to the Father and the Holy Spirit and they'd have a little conversation? I don't know. And I don't think any of us will know completely until we reach heaven. But Jesus, being true God and true man, went off by himself, went in his closet, went in his room, went to a place where no one would bother him so he could spend time one-on-one in his relationship with the Trinity. It's crazy. And that's the thing about Jesus when you think about that. Jesus didn't care what other people thought. Specifically in Mark chapter 1, if you were to read the context, everybody was mad at him when he went and did that. Where have you been? We've been looking for you. There are people who want to be healed. There are people who want you to do this, people who want you to do that. And Jesus said, you know what? I don't care. I don't care because there are times when I need to be alone in my personal relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit where, where I need to withdraw and be by myself. And then another time where Jesus did this again, Matthew 26, verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. See, there's people you're going to run into in your life. They want all of these things from you. They want you to do all of these things. And so what happens is you fall into this where you try to be a people pleaser. And I will tell you, I am a recovering people pleaser, except I'm in a bad place in my recovery. And, and the problem is that I care. I, I care too much about what people think about me. And I, I think too much about criticism that I receive. 
And then what happens is because of that, that that tends to push me in directions that I know I don't want to go instead of caring about what matters most. And that is what God's will is. What does he want in this situation? How can I serve him with my decision instead of making other people happy? In our blank, you can see God wants me to play to an audience of one. Play to an audience of one. And again, again, I ask you to look to Jesus as the one who has lived the perfect life for you. As your savior. As the perfect substitute for you in this area. In Jesus' life. It's just amazing when you read the pages of scripture how much he didn't care what other people thought. About him being at a tax collector's house, about him dealing with lepers, about him dealing with people who were social outcasts. Jesus didn't care. Because why? He would always preface it by saying, this is my father's will. This is why I have come. The problem I have with that, and the problem that you have with that as well, is your sinful nature. Understand something about your sinful nature. If you don't know this or didn't know this yet, your sinful nature is evil, okay? And it will never change, and it's going to be a part of you until you die. But that sinful nature inside of you, this is the crazy part about it, is that it's evil. But it always wants to be seen as good. So it's dirty on the inside, and on the outside it wants to be seen. Uh, Jesus said to the Pharisees this way, you're like a whitewashed tomb. On the outside, it's nice and pretty, but on the inside, full of dead men's bones. Or he would say it this way, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is something that you don't deal with. And that's the way the sinful nature works. The sinful nature doesn't want to do what is right so that they will be seen by others as being good. But rather, the sinful nature knows it's not. So it has to put on a show so that people don't see what it is really like. Sinful nature is the hypocrite inside every one of us for whom Christ came to die. And now that he has, the struggle is on. The struggle inside of us to to live for Christ. Our next passage from 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 is one of my favorites. For the Spirit of God, so now that Christ is inside of us, has come, taken away our sin... For the Spirit of God, gave, uh, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. And when we look at the self-discipline, what that is is, is Christ has given us the ability to say no to sin. But he's also, through the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the word, gives you the power to say no to yourself and yes to what God wants for your life. Power, love, and self-discipline. On the next page, again, it shows this from Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John... And realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
as we look at Jesus' training process with his disciples and, and how it relates to this message in, in private habits and, and how we live, not when other people see us, but when we know other people are not watching, the disciples got a firsthand view of this with Jesus. When they were with him, if you, have you ever been with someone 24 hours a day for a week? Maybe on a trip with them and their their family or their friends and people that you like. And after the week, they're people you don't like so much because you drive each other crazy a little bit. And and in our homes, we live with people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we we see each other's weaknesses and, and what they're all about. This is the opportunity that Jesus gave his disciples. And what they realized was the Jesus who was in private dealing with an individual, sharing Christ with them, or the Jesus who was in a solitary place praying, was no different than the Jesus who was standing in front of Pilate. No no different than the Jesus that was standing in front of the Sanhedrin. No difference at all. That was the same person. There was no act. That is just the way that he was. And the way that he did that was to be on page with what God said, to play to an audience of one. And as the disciples were with Jesus and noticed this and experienced, and as Jesus taught them self-discipline, they began to change through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God does the same for you. But I'm telling you, if you're looking for that change, I, I hate to say this, but, but one hour on Sunday morning is not going to get it done. If you think you are going to change by being here and listening to a message or being part of a service for one hour, and that's going to make a huge change with you in the rest of the week, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're wasting your time, and it's not going to happen. Personal time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is the way that it happens. And the way that he speaks to us ultimately is through his word. My relationship in the blank, my relationship with Jesus changes me. The Holy Spirit works courage, power, love, and self-discipline inside of me. Change me, Jesus. I know I'm an actor. I know I'm a hypocrite. I know there are times in my life that when I have preached from this stage and what I have encouraged everyone here to do is not what I've done personally and done individually. So how am I going to change? And the answer is through my relationship with Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the way that change occurs. And one way is by talking with God. Luke 11, verse 1. This is what what Jesus told his disciples. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Whenever I would read this, I would think it would be very... It just seems strange to me. Because you're thinking Jesus with the disciples, that they were the ones who were closest to him. You would think they would know how to pray. Because at the end of the day, praying is just talking with God, right? But it never ceases to amaze me that that people have a problem praying and really have a problem praying out loud. And and I want you to think about that. I, I want you to think about this. If this was a relationship between a, a boy and a girl... Okay, first of all, if they only got to see each other 
once a week for an hour with a couple hundred other people around, that it would be a hard time for them maybe to get close to each other as they would want to. But then, and maybe you've seen this in, in, in relationships with, with younger kids where they don't know how to talk to each other. And, and, and again, when we live at a time when we text everything back and forth, and, and, and it's a way that we kind of stand back from a relationship. And this is what the disciples came to Jesus and said, is that we understand that, that we've always kind of gone to church and the synagogue thing and the temple, and, and that's important, but we feel like we really don't know how to talk to God. And Jesus' response was Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13. Can you read this one with me, please? Let's read it together. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Get your pens ready. This is the practical part. This is the good part. This is the life-changing part, transformational part, and, it, and it, at least it was for me. The Lord's Prayer. I, re- I remember being in a wedding, and the pastor, uh, this was 20 years ago, that he was speaking to the people getting married, and he said, do you want some practical advice for your marriage? Pray the Lord's Prayer together every day. You do that. that you make that a starting point of your day or something that you do on a regular basis. Uh, it, it can change your life. And then I, I, I started thinking about the Lord's Prayer, trying to pray the Lord's Prayer regularly because what's happened to the Lord's Prayer a little bit is it's been hijacked to the service. That, that oftentimes when people go through the Lord's Prayer is when they are at church and they don't necessarily use it when they are not at church. So this is what I did. I'm going to tell you, first of all, I always considered myself a bad prayer, okay? And, and the reason why is I have like a little bit of ADHD going on when I pray, that, that when I'm going, I, I have so many thoughts going on in my head that, that it's just hard to organize them. And so it's more like when I talk to God, it's like just rambling that, that, that's all over. So this is what I do. This has it, been such a blessing to me. Every morning I get up early before everyone else gets up, and I take a half-hour walk. And as I go through that half-hour walk, I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And so this is the way it starts. I, I go out and, and I say, Father, I know what it's like to be a father. And I have three sons and I have two daughters and you know that. And so as my father, Lord, I know how much I love them. And, and I understand being a father has helped me understand your love for me. And so what I'm going to start with today as a father is I'm going to pray for my children. And, and so be with them when they're in college. They have so many things going on and, and I don't know if they know what, for sure what they want to do in their lives, and it's such a hard time and so many temptations and so many things against them. And then also pray for my daughters. Thank you for this time that they're, they're in high school. I realize I'm on the clock with them, uh, that three and a half years, and, and my youngest one's going to be gone. 
And, and so, Lord, help me to value them. Uh, as a father, Lord, I know you also had a son, Jesus Christ. And, and when I realize how much I love my children, I, I realize how much you love me that you gave Christ for me. And, and so that's what I do. That's my father prayer time. And then sometimes I pray for my dad. Sometimes I pray for my father-in-law. Sometimes anything that has to do with fathers. And then usually about that time, I make the corner uh, to hallowed be your name. And it's right where baseline hits the 67th Meadows loop. And I look at the Estrella Mountains. And that reminds me, Lord, you're awesome. Holy set apart. You are unbelievable. And especially living in Arizona, I thank him for the sun, which I love. And uh, that's the son of their both sons. But anyways, so, so about God's name being holy and all the wonderful things that he has done and how great he is. And that makes me think of the second commandment because God's name is holy. Therefore, I, I, I don't want to misuse God's name. So I don't want to curse, swear, lie, or deceive or use it superstitiously. But I want to call upon God's name in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. So I go, go through that for a while. Then thy kingdom come, which I call the Phil Bischoff prayer, and the Holy Spirit prayer, because thy kingdom come is actually an outreach prayer. We're praying for God's kingdom to come. And so I pray for crosswalk. I pray for the the least, the last, and the lost in the city of Levine. Do you realize that I do have mental problems? It's like all of these things go through my head. But the thing about it is, what, what has been such a blessing to me is, is the Lord's prayer has helped to guide me and, and kind of put bounds around my talk with God and, and let me talk to him about things that I know he wants me to bring to him. And, and, and then finally, I don't even need to get about the time where I go uh, by the school, I forget what the name of it, which is usually forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And uh, wow just on a daily basis to go through this process of is there any one or anything that's really caused a place in my heart where I'm just, I'm not happy with them and I'm not letting go. You see how this can be life-changing? What a great tool. And if one other thing, and I think what's going to happen is it made me realize this needs to be a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is going to be coming. But Martin Luther, in his small catechism, also has a way to pray through the Lord's Prayer where he explains every one of the petitions, everything that you ask for. And for someone who's new to the faith and new to the Lord's Prayer, it is such a great guide for your prayer life. Okay, practical today. Praying. And the final thing that I'm going to do that also changed it is, this is crazy, might sound a little weird, I pray out loud. And, and when you pray out loud, it is totally life-changing as well. When you're alone on a walk and you pray out loud, kind of watch for people walking. Or when you go by the bus stop, uh, they look at you a little weird. But, but praying out loud, it, it really makes me conscious of, of, am I saying, God, give me this, God, give me that? Or am I truly having a conversation with God? So, talk with God. And then the next passage, we're going to shift gears from prayer, talking to God. You got to listen to God as well. Acts 17, 11 to 12 says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
As a result, many of them believed, as did a a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Examine the scriptures every day. You are a fool. Not exaggeration. You are a fool if you put your spiritual life in the hands of Jeff Gunn and Dan Salofra. You are an absolute idiot if you would do that with anyone. If you would listen to someone who stands on a stage and simply accept it because they are the pastor and they are the one in the front of the people, to simply accept that and and not go back to God's word and verify it. That's absolutely crazy to me. That that when I think of times at the seminary, that's something they told us again and again. You better not believe this because I say it. You believe it because this is what God says. And for that reason, you have to be able to go back and listen to God speak to you specifically. This is the time when when you read God's word. And this is the thing about prayer. I go and I I talk to God for 30 minutes. And he hasn't talked back to me once yet during that time period. But he does talk to us. And I'm telling you, I I learn a lot more about myself in prayer than I do about my God. Listening is when you find out about God. It is the way that he talks about what is on his heart and what's important to him, which is namely people and, and, and loving them and you showing love to them as well. And so one of the ways that we do this, maybe you've heard this before. I, I assumed when I came here, everyone knew what this was. And I, I've realized in my growth group uh, that not everybody does. And so going through it again, you see it there, the SOAP, what exactly that stands for. You can write it down. The S is, this is a way of reading the Bible, okay? A SOAP method. So S is scripture, O is observe, A is apply, and P is prayer. So, so what you do is you read through your Bible. I'm not one of those that's in a big hurry to get done with it, uh, with the Bible. So what I do is I read until I find a place where God is just touching me on the heart, just saying, wow, this is something very valuable. And so what I do is I write it down. Then in my own words, I observe, what is God saying here? Then apply, what does this have to do with my life? And then P, I pray it out. And I believe I have this up, an example of one of my soaps that I did on today's lesson. So the first part would be S, the scripture that I chose from between Matthew 6 verses 5 to 8. Do we have that? Go to the next one, the, the next slide. There we go. This is the scripture part. This is the one I chose from the verses. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That really popped out to me when I read the text this week. So the next part is I observed. My observation was God wants us to take private time with him. He wants a personal relationship where I am open and honest and not worried about what others see and think. Okay? Yeah, that's... So the next part was application. As a pastor, I spend a lot of time in front of people. I run the danger of having a professional relationship with God. I work for him. I do services. I do many things that people see. I need to take time for a personal relationship with Jesus. 
I will talk to him regularly in prayer and listen to what he says to me in his word. And then I pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, forgive me for the times I have put on the show or a Christian act on Sunday morning. Thank you for wanting to have a personal relationship with me. Thank you for making this relationship happen through Jesus. Amen. Wednesday morning, 6.59 a.m. to 7.59 a.m., the book of Mark, we read one chapter a week, do one soap, pick one, and we do the soap. Monday morning, women's group from... Uh, like not, I'm not sure what time there is. It's about 9 a.m. They go from about 9 to 10 in that neighborhood. They're doing the Gospel of John as well. Ways that we do this, letting God speak to us through his word, using this method. The promise I made to you today was that you would have some practical ways that can transform your life. And I believe I did that, both in your prayer life, transformational in how you use the Lord's Prayer, and also using this tool of a soap diary, a soap journal, to go through and, and, and let God speak to you. Now, it's, it's between you and God with your self-discipline. Asking him, praying to him regularly, Lord, please help me to do this. Deepen my relationship with you so that the person I am in private and the person I am in public are the same person who plays to you as an audience of one. So before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Dear Lord God, we thank you that, that you have that you are willing to have a personal relationship with us. When we say we don't have time and you're, you're the maker of heaven and earth, you are true God, and you are saying, you know what? Whenever you take time with your word, you're going to be with us and have this personal, close relationship, Lord. Help us to stand in awe of how wonderful that is and then use it on a regular basis to turn to you in prayer, to open up our Bibles and, and read them and, and let you speak to us. Be with us, Lord. Help us with these small changes. And and we pray through Jesus that you would make a huge difference in our lives. Amen.